right, and we are back for another edition of the, the, Run, the Run Duo. Duo. <laughs> I am Tommy Mitchell. And I am India Cook. What's up, guys? This going on, episode 62. 62. 62, good gosh. Um, we getting up there, Tommy. <laughs> we getting up there. We getting old. We getting old. <laughs> you getting old. You, I'm not claiming that. I'm not claiming any of that. You getting old. <laughs> uh, India, let me tell you, everybody getting old. Um, <laughs> so, how you doing, India? I'm doing good. India, you I got really so much good. going on. You got so much. I be like, how, when this girl sleep? I don't. Look, first off, I wanna I wanna clap my hands for you. I saw I'm not gonna get into the, the what was on the scales, but I saw your little post about the weight loss. Gone girl. Yes, you doing you. your thing. Thank you. Quarantine has done well and you don't have to say it, but I, I know you want me to say it. So I am as I started this journey on April 6th of this year and I call it a journey because it's been a lot of ups and downs and figuring out what needs to be done but as of July 6th I am down 21 pounds so there yes, you go let me tell you yes. that is not easy I don't care if you've never lost if you've ever had to lose weight or try to lose weight losing 20 pounds is not easy at all and you still going yeah I'm still going I have uh, I still have more to go. <laughs> so I feel like this is my, I guess what I call a, a, a milestone, I guess, or a victory for me. So I hadn't been, I hadn't really been posting on social media about kind of what I've been doing. I know people have been messaging me saying, oh, we see you getting in more runs and doing workouts and all that. But I hadn't really been uh, discussing more about it. But I have to say, when I got to 20, I was like, oh, listen, I'm gonna have to say something about this because I was really, really proud. Yeah, you should be. You got to celebrate all victories. Celebrate all yes. victories. Enjoy yourself. Yes. Definitely, definitely. So congratulations yeah. on that. Um, if you, you haven't already seen it, you know, check out her um, YouTube channel, uh, Miles yeah. from India. Uh, it's a link in yeah. her um, in her Instagram. I know you got, because you have a, a link tree that has all your links in it. But yeah, yes. uh, most definitely. Uh, you Actually, we're recording this on Tuesday the 7th, and you put one out today, and I actually watched it um that you mostly talked about the i don't know how you want to put it the un peach tree road race i guess is the, yeah. only way. <laughs> the un the un race mm -hmm. um uh because you went down uh which a few of us a few people did uh went down since uh you know usually on the fourth of july uh and you know happy fourth to anybody that actually celebrated it but you know i hope everybody was safe but usually on the fourth of july in atlanta we're right there at uh, Lenox Mall, running down to 10th Street uh, for mm -hmm. the Peachtree Road Race, uh, the Atlanta Journal right. Constitutional uh, Peachtree Road Race. This year, it's been moved to Thanksgiving. Um, I, myself, I went out really early because um, Heather was losing her, gr her grits about me being in public, so... I went really early when I didn't think anybody would be out there. I went like at 4.45 in the morning um, mm -hmm. to run the course. And there was like one other person out there. But I, like in the beginning, there was nobody. And like I was yeah. running. And when I got to Piedmont, this guy runs up on, scared the living crap out of me. Because mm. I, had, I had my earphones, I had my earbuds in. So I really, you know, I, you know you're li I was listening to a podcast. So when he came up on the side of me, it scared the crap the crap out of me oh, wow. but it was funny because he's like oh, i'm sorry me to scare you he was just like i got i cannot miss this i gotta keep my streak alive of running this on the uh fourth of july so 
And then when yeah. I got to the finish, um, that's when I saw some people, uh, if you're not from Atlanta, you kind of don't, because in Atlanta, we run this route a lot when you live in the city. Mm -hmm. A lot of people run this route a lot. And what usually we'll do is somebody will park at the end of the route and then take everybody up to the beginning. And that way you have a way, you know, to kind of get yeah, back. Yeah, because it's not a loop. It's a point to point. Yeah, it's a point to mm -hmm. point. So I, when I was finishing, I saw quite a few people starting to do that. Like I saw a few groups starting to do that. And then when I, I took the train back up to the start line, I mm -hmm. saw a lot of couples getting off the train um, to go ahead and run the course. So I saw, you know, quite a few people out there before dawn, um, but it was right. still pretty humid. Um, but yeah. what was kind of your experience uh, when you went down there? So I think the first thing is, so the, on my YouTube, I did basically just kind of uh, talk about my experience with it. And like yourself, Tommy, I've been running the race since 2008. So it's been a tradition of mine for several years. And it's really hard to break traditions. And Tommy, honestly, I didn't realize how much I was going to really miss it. And I was like, this is really happening. <laughs> we are not running the Peachtree Row Race. And like for several years, I have been running the Peachtree Row Race and it really hit home. So of course, since I just started the vlog, I was like, well, I need to, because Atlanta Track Club asked us to not run the course um, because more so because of safety. They're really yeah. concerned. Uh, they're really concerned uh, about thousands of people gathering. And they were just saying like, what if, 5% of the 60,000 were to try to come and run. It just wouldn't be safe because the streets weren't blocked off. Um, you know, you'd be running on sidewalk. You potentially could be interacting with people. And of course, COVID is still going on. So for me, in my mind, I was like, okay, I will respect not running on the course. Um, but I did want to at least go downtown to get footage to see how many people was really down there. Um, and I think that that was the biggest thing for me is that I wanted to get video footage of what it looked like. And Tommy, when I say we, we drove up Peachtree, it was pretty, it wasn't that many people. Like yeah. literally it wasn't, I was actually shocked to see the, the number of people. It really wasn't that many people. Um, I think when it started to get closer to like eight o'clock, um, 7 8 o'clock, there was a couple groups that came out. But when I say it wasn't, it wasn't enough people to where you're like super dot, you're really, really dodging people and you couldn't share the sidewalk with people. It was almost as if you were, you may have been passing someone just like you would if you were to run on Silver Comet Trail is what it looked like. Yeah. Um, so I was really surprised when we were driving up and up and down Peachtree Street. We didn't go to where the finish area was. We just stayed, we stayed at the start and then we went and ran our own six, me and Braxton went and ran our own 6.2. But I just think that it was, it, I was very shocked not to see a lot of people, but it was, it was very, I guess for me, I literally had a moment the day before the Peachtree, I went down to the course where it usually makes that first left on the 10th street. I got some video footage of that. And just to not see the barricades out, any of that, it was just really interesting. And just the quietness of the city was, was very interesting to see. Yeah. I mean, it it's definitely was a different, not, ha not being there. Um, mm -hmm you know, not running. Kind of glad we didn't because it seems like the humidity is really high right now um, in, in Atlanta. So I'm kind of happy that we didn't. I know you talk about this on, on your um, YouTube channel that, you know, running on Thanksgiving uh, should give us a little bit of relief. Uh, running that the, uh, the hill probably be totally different um, in, in November than it is, you know, in July. 
Yeah, I think, I mean, the fact that it's going to be cooler outside is definitely going to be better. However, we all know that the, the course is not technically an easy one. The first three miles of that course is pretty much downhill, and then you climb for the last three miles. And so it's not a course to take lightly, I think, but it is definitely going to be some benefits for Thanksgiving Day. Definitely. I, I got a question kind of getting off from, from you know, that, because I know a lot of people are going to want to watch your YouTube channel kind of. Uh, she, she uses, y'all got to watch it because... India, the, the production value is very good. We got sound effects. I mean, she edits it. I'm, y'all think I'm playing with y'all. Yeah, sound effects. So you have to go watch it. I was actually Thank you, working. Tommy. I was working today and I was watching it and I was cracking up because I was actually kind of, you know, I had the phone up and then I was still working. And all of a sudden I heard the sound effects for you drinking your water. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I laugh so hard because, you know, the whole editing thing for vlogs is, it, it takes some time. But I was like, you know what? I really paused to drink this water. I need to add some kind of effect in here. And I just do random sound effects. And, you know, Cardiac Hill was in there. I talked about Cardiac Hill, talked mm -hmm. about the elevation. I did a screenshot of elevation of that. And I put the heartbeat. Yeah. yeah I try to have some fun with it because, Obviously, and I had fun with this video. This is my second YouTube video, um, but I had fun with this video because I was out and about. I could do a little bit more dramatics with the editing because I was out and about. So yeah, it was really fun, and I tried to, I tried to help you all go on the journey with me. It was was my intent for that video. <laughs> I got a question. So now people know, you know, since you already mentioned his name, Braxton, I'm going to go ahead and talk about it. How did you convince him, or did he wake up like, I want to run this with you, or how did you convince him to come out and run with you on the fourth? I am so glad that you asked this, Tommy, because so many people have been messaging me as if I'm trying to make Braxton a runner. That is not the case. And for those that don't know, Braxton is my boyfriend. <laughs> and he does not like running. Like, running is not something that he's interested in. He doesn't even really like to do it for cardio, even though he's trying. He's like, well maybe I can do a mile or two a couple of days a week and just to say that I got in some cardio. So I actually explained to him that I was going to run 6.2 miles Saturday, regardless on if it, it being that it wasn't going to be on the course. I knew that I was going to run 6.2 miles somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, and then I was explaining to him that I also wanted footage. And so he was like, well, you know, maybe I can just go along with you. I'm going to be walking, but maybe I can kind of like go along with you and at least get videos of you running. And mm. so I was like, okay, like if you really, you know, if you really want to, and this discussion was prior to us deciding that we weren't going to go on the course um, or run the course. And so when he said that, I mean, I just kind of ran with it. I was like, okay. And I, I also prepared him because, I knew that 6.2 was a lot further than he's ever been. He accidentally did 4.9 miles with some of his coworkers for a work challenge mm -hmm. um, when COVID wasn't going on. And he like hated it. And so when I explained to him that this is 6.2 miles, it's going to be warm. We got to go early in the morning. He was like, okay. So I think that he may have just bit off a little bit more than he could. <laughs> and I think, and I think, but I think it, the really sweet part about it, Tommy, was that it was more so he knew how much the Peachtree Road Race meant to me. And he really was just wanting to support. And he also wanted to help me get footage, which we didn't end up getting footage on the run because it was just a lot going on. And, you know, I was just like, I'm hot, I'm tired, let's go. But we ended up doing 6.2 miles. We basically ran the first three and then we kind of basically walked and had a conversation the second three. 
Um, but it was, it was a very interesting because afterwards he's saying that his bones hurt and his hip hurt and he didn't feel like stretching would help. And I'm like, babe, you got to stretch. You got to foam roll. I've been trying to teach him about foam rolling and stretching. Mm -hmm. And he was just adamant that it was his bone and no stretching or foam rolling would help the bone that it wasn't the muscle. <laughs> And I'm literally just face palming the whole time because I'm like, babe. And he's like, no, it's the bone. And people are messaging me like, you making this man run? You hurt him? And I'm like, no, he wanted to do it. He wanted to also be support. And I'm excited that he's doing it. But running is not as far as becoming an official. Obviously, he runs, so he's a runner. But him getting really involved in the sport, if y'all were to hear him talk about it, he really doesn't like it. But I think because he wants to support me, he does mm -hmm. take his time to try to get on, on different courses and out and run with me every now and then. Yeah, well, I, I still predict that eventually Braxton will be, like you said, he runs, so he's a runner. But I think as he gets older, he'll get more into it. Um, I, I, think as, I think that's just something people just get tired of being inside. And they start to, once they get out and really enjoying running, I think they get into it. So I predict eventually he, he will, he, maybe not as much as, you know, you are into it, but I, I think he'll get a little, I predict Braxton runs a half marathon at some point. That's my prediction. Lord, right there. That's the hot know. take. That's the hot take right there. Braxton <laughs> runs a half marathon at some point. I'm gonna, you know what? I'm going to give it two years. Within two Ooh. years, Braxton runs oh a half marathon. Gosh. There we go. I'm going to tell him too. <laughs> I'm going to tell him too. And he's going to be like, nope, because he swears after that 6.2 that he did with me, he's never doing that again. And he said that that was the wrong idea for him to go that far. <laughs> so he felt 6.2 He felt six point two is very far. And of course, to some people, 6.2 is very far. But for, you know, me and you, Tommy, 6.2 is just 6.2. Yeah. So. Is he signed up for a peace tree or no? Yeah, he signed up, and that's okay. another reason why he did. Yeah. So yeah, he signed up. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, get yeah, get, just you know, give him baby steps, but get, give it time. <laughs> so I'm not <laughs> trying to push him. And all of his running with me is it has been his his doing. So yep. <laughs> perfect, perfect. He's coming on at his own pace. That's that's perfect. Yes. <laughs> yes, his own. There's no force involved. <laughs> now, um, now I know we were talking about this before we started recording. Atlanta Track Club has a virtual race that um, I have signed up for, but you being the ambassador, I will go ahead and let you talk about it. Yeah, so they are doing the all-teams Atlanta 5K, which includes Atlanta Hawks, which is the NBA, Atlanta Dream, which is WNBA, the Atlanta Braves, which is our um, baseball team, and then the Atlanta United, which, of course, is our soccer team. So they are doing a virtual 5K, and that's going to be on July 11th and 12th. And July 10th is the last day to register. But all of those teams came together to do a virtual 5K. Um, and it's really exciting to do because the proceeds are going to go towards social justice and educating um, educating a lot, educating our youth. And it's going to go towards the National Center of Civil Human and human rights. So I think that it's awesome that Atlanta Track Club is doing what they need to do to provide proceeds towards more education around civil rights movement as well as human rights and just social social injustice, justice as well. So I think that it's awesome that they're doing that. Again, you have until Friday, July 10th to sign up for that race and you can go to Atlanta Track Club web website to do so. And of course, you don't have to live in Atlanta to be a to, to participate in this race. Exactly. I thought it was a good cause. Um, you know, so that's the reason I signed up for it. Um, actually, I've been signing up for, actually, um, I know you signed up for a virtual race that Heather was very impressed with the medal. 
Oh um, my goodness. Yeah. What was that one? So that was a social distancing medal, um, and it was social distancing run. So I had that medal for a while, but I just hadn't um, shown anybody. Hadn't yeah. shown anybody. It's like you know, I run five k's a couple times a week, so mm. <laughs> that was the minimum. <laughs> the, sorry about that. That was the minimum distance that you needed to run. But I was just waiting on a good time to be able to post it. But Marathon Academy is who put on that virtual race. Um, and it was a very good sized medal. I want to say that it was like, it, not, I'm looking at it now, but it's in a distance, probably about a good two to three inches, two and a half, three inches tall on our, on each side. Like it's a very big medal. So very good quality medal. Um, I really, I think we've talked about this before. I'm not really into virtual running or ra virtual racing, but when it's a good cause, as well as like, I like to commemorate situations and like this COVID-19 thing, I felt like the graphics on the medal was really, really nice and be able to see what that looked like. It was just good to commemorate that. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm not a big virtual race person, even though I have helped run a virtual race. I really myself, and that's the reason I really stopped doing, helping to run a virtual race, because I felt like eh, I don't really enjoy doing it. So I'm not going to try to convince somebody else to spend their money to do one. But I'm not a big fan of virtual races, but I must say during this whole, you know, COVID-19 thing, I'm itching just to put a medal on. Um, so I did, now I know the one from the Atlanta Track Club doesn't doesn't have a medal, but I did sign up for, of course, the, the pivot, the race, the pivot for the half marathon. I did sign up for that. And then I also signed up for um, the Lululemon uh, Seaweeds virtual half marathon. I did that through Strava. So I've been kind of picking up some virtual races over time just to get that race experience give like the half marathon one that gives me and the pivot that gives me something to actually train for because mm -hmm. i, I want to you know i want to have a decent time even if it's virtual yeah definitely definitely and i think that it's awesome to be able to and for some people it does make you look forward to something and it gives you it's kind of a reward for the work that you've been put in so you've been putting in so i think that that is that is beyond awesome to be able to put something on the calendar, look look towards it, and know that all the miles that you're putting in is not worth is not just going towards nothing. And besides your health and your fitness, but you actually have a reward at the end. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of worried. I'm not gonna lie. I'm kind of worried about Thanksgiving because we're, yeah, we're losing so same. many races. So I'm I'm kind of mm -hmm. worried that it might not happen. So I'm really happy I did get up out of the bed and go run down um, on Peace Street on the fourth. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think I said that in my YouTube video. I, you know, fingers crossed that it did, still takes place. But, you know, Peachtree Road Race is still a very large race. I know that at the point where they closed registration, they were going to reopen it to allow other people to register because it wasn't the usual 60,000 people that had registered. Um, but I'm, I'm, I don't know how many people will actually do the second wave. Hopefully they will second wave of, of registering because um, usually this race is sold out but I think it's kind of hard to predict at this point um, being that the COVID-19 um, cases are currently increasing. Yeah yeah now um, some other stuff going on in in the race world um, there's been a lot of and you probably know more about this because I really haven't really delved too deep into it about you know runner's world and the front covers and not having a whole lot of representation for you know I mean, are they saying African-Americans or are they saying just, you know, Blacks or people of color in general? Um, I think I've seen, so there has been a, there was a big, basically a big podcast that came out that just talked about the lack of representation in regards to Runner's World. So it kind of started with that and someone put together 
several covers of Rose World magazine, and it basically showed how there weren't, there were very few, very low percentage of African Americans on their covers. Um, and then there was this conversation behind, well, it's not as if African Americans or even just uh, people of color in general you know whether that be african-american indigenous like there wasn't much representation of those individuals but they're saying that well they are getting articles within the magazine but then there was there was the, the argument that being inside of the magazine versus on the cover is two different things and if you're you're marketing towards a population or if you're marketing to have more of a certain population grab your magazines off the shelf or subscribe to your subscription you will need to have more uh, diversity in your covers. And a lot of people that are African-American like us were saying that we don't subscribe to them. We don't buy their stuff. We don't buy their, we don't, you know, do the monthly fee to be able to see a certain amount of unlimited articles because there's nobody on the front of the cover that looks like us. And so there was a big argument, you know, in discussion in regards to that. Um, and so a lot of people were doing what I call mock-ups. And so there are mock-ups of a runner's world cover with their personal picture on it. And this is basically trying to say, hey, runner's world, and they were tagging runner's world. This is what it would look like if you were to have someone, a person of color on the front of your page and giving people's credentials on why they should deserve it. They, they deserve it. Now, Runner's World did do a most recent article in July that PJ Thompson, he is an African-American male out of Austin, Texas, he, he was on the cover. And there's been controversy in regards to that cover as well because they felt like Runner's World just put an African-American person on there because they've been getting heat. However, if you look at the article, if you look at the picture, Tommy, he's kind of in the background and like there's waterfalls around him. And he's not front and forth in the forefront of the video i mean excuse me of the of the of the cover he's not very in the forefront at all it's 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 kind of deceiving and i think that it was to me when i saw it i was like they could have did better than this like they if they really were trying to make a statement they could have actually made him front and center we can definitely see that he is an african-american male whereas you have to kind of flip into the pages of the of the magazine to see that he's an african-american male it's not as blatant as some of the other runners world articles or or covers that have been published in the past true um i mean i really don't i haven't i think i read runners world like years and years ago i'm not a big magazine reader in the first place like you said most of our stuff is digested online now but yeah, I don't pay for a subscription. So I guess I honestly, I didn't notice it because I don't go to magazine racks. So I didn't notice that, you know, we weren't really getting African-Americans or people of color. Because um, the only actually cover I ever remember seeing that I can actually think of off the top of my head was when they had Kevin Hart on the cover. Because I read that one. So I guess maybe they should. <laughs> maybe, maybe I read it more because I do remember stopping and seeing Kevin Hart on the cover. So I read his story about, I think that time he had done a uh, run, um, one of the relay runs he had joined or whatever. So I just kind of read that article uh, and that's, about that. And that's a prime example mm -hmm. of you getting the, getting the reading it because you saw him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you know, Kevin Hart, I, I mean, what, I mean, how do you feel about it as far as, so yes, Kevin Hart runs, he is a runner, but is that with, does that catch your eye more than say, I'm trying to think of somebody, a, a low level name, you know, pro runner, like if Mo Farah was on the on the front cover, would that stop you or does Kevin Hart stop you more? 
Mo Farah. You would rather read more about Mo Farah than, than Kevin Hart? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said, I don't... But I, I think because Mo Farah is also a runner, and in runner's world, and I, I, little, I know a little bit about his story, like, I feel like putting Kevin Hart on the front was just celebrity publicity. Like, even though Mo Farah is a celebrity because he's Mo, like, if you're not a... You can be a runner or a non-runner and know who Kevin Hart is. Where if you're if you're a non-runner, more than likely you don't know who Mo Farah is, unless you live in out of out of the country. <laughs> True. Like, yeah. So I mean, if they're trying to, I mean, I guess if they're trying to, because like you and I are, we are runners, and like we said, anybody that runs is a runner. But like both of us put a lot of effort into running. We pay attention to running, not because we do a podcast or YouTube, you know, uh, channel. Is because we enjoy like both of us get up at you know three in the morning to watch marathons that are being run you know in another country or whatever we do that sort of thing so to us yeah i think so but i think to runners world because you know of course i don't have the statistics on that as far as people on the cover that are you know non you know or not people of color how many of those are actually runners and how many of those are actually either models or celebrities that they put on the cover because yeah, think, mm -hmm. no go ahead and no, I was gonna say I think that the people that have been, uh, have been people of color that have been on the front were not necessarily celebrities, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. Like the guy, you know, P.J. Thompson. He, I don't, I wouldn't say that. I mean, I've, I've kind of definitely looked at his his bio and everything, but he's not on Kevin Hart's, you know, level in regards to in, in regards to fame. Yeah. And so I think that the people that they have put on there, like how they chose it would be very interesting on how they choose would be on the cover or not. Um, but I can say that a lot of people that have been on the cover have had some kind of weight loss journey. Like there's been a consistent, you have to have kind of like an all story in yeah. regards to getting on their cover. Um, and I think that that's something that that's the narrative that also needs to change. I think not only just runner's world, but there needs to be not only people of color that need to be represented more but there also needs to be body types and images that need to be represented more you know when i was looking at the graphics that were made for runner's world and not the mock-ups but the ones that are actually covers for runner's world it was literally it, it, it was your lean male and caucasian male and female very lean um and so you're not getting your back of the pack runners that may be you know a, a little heavier set or plus size women or men you're not getting those individuals you're not getting the super muscular guys that are fast but they're still like they're they're built and stacked like you're not getting those guys on there and at the end of, end of the day I feel like if it's a running magazine there needs to be representation of all runners and all runners are not lean small and Caucasian we are all over the place all different spectrums all different body types all different weights you know everything and I feel like that is where they really have an opportunity to branch out as well yeah I mean I think every magazine has the, that opportunity because I, I would uh, well maybe not every magazine but I say majority of magazines are probably out right now definitely have that opportunity um, I'm not a humorous fan of Runner's World just because of the magazine itself because it's just all ads to me now. Uh, but mm -hmm. I agree, yeah. They could, pro they could put more people of color um, on the covers, uh, that sort of thing. I do appreciate their articles because I, I will say that I believe it's correct because a lot of, a few people that we interviewed, I, we got because we saw that they, someone, you know, talked about them in Runner's World magazine. Um, 
So right. I, do, I do give him credit for that. Actually, one of um, one of our back of the pack runners that we've interviewed, she had a big spread in Runners World magazine um, a while back. So I mean, I give him credit in that sense, but I understand what people are saying is you know representation on the cover. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think that it's a great source of information. Um, I know that there's been some controversy in regards to the type of information that's put out there from from Runner's World, but I definitely have been that person that's more so on Facebook has been clickbaited into good articles that have come from it. And, you know, of course, Runner's World put our podcast in um, one of their, their, uh, their, epi- their excuse me, their uh, articles. So I definitely appreciate that. But I think that when it comes to definitely the print work and who's getting in the magazines, there definitely is some work to be done. Yeah, most most definitely. Now, um, some other news coming out of the world of running. Um, former marathon world record holder, Wilson Kipsang, has a four-year ban. He missed four whereabouts appointments. Um, that's when they're trying to find you to do a drug test. Um, and now this is what they're saying. I don't, I don't have all the information. I'm not an investigative reporter. Um, I'm reading what y'all read that he stated, um, that he missed one of them on May 20, on May, 2019. He missed it because of an auto accident. When they asked him to see him proof, he sent a photo of an accident, but it turned out to be an accident from August of uh, 2019. So they said he was lying or giving false statements, I guess. Um, about it. So he has a four-year ban. Now, uh, kind of a, and this was an article I just picked up just recently, um, like within, it came out like earlier today, that his friends are concerned for him because of this. So I hope he's staying safe. I hope nothing happens to him. But this is like the third high-profile runner, not marathon runners. These are also track and field guys. But about the Mm -hmm. third that I've read that they're getting bans for these, um, these whereabout appointments where they're not where I guess they're supposed to be. Um, right. Which is, I mean, I understand it's a rule. And I, I say, I say it all the time. Like, look, you, you don't have to be a professional runner. You can do something else if you don't want to do this. Um, yeah. Well, I think my understanding with the whereabout appointments is not only there's certain amount of times where you have to kind of let them know where you are, mm-hmm. as well as you have to let them know, like, if you're going out of town, things like that nature, because they do like to do, or they they have a requirement to do pop-up drug tests. So if you're not notifying them where you are, it can be seen as you're trying to hide something. And I think it's just, you know, it's, it's a part of the process of being elite and doing this is that you're all, you know, you're always tested. And if you ever followed Mo Farah on social media, he always says one Mo test right like he Mm -hmm. he always talks about that and he would always like document how many tests he would randomly get because at the end of the day if you know that you're going to get drug tests obviously you're going to do something to and if you've been doing illegal drugs you're going to do something to cover it up so of course they're ruling behind them knowing where you are so that they can do the test so that it can be anonymous like or not anonymous but so that they can do pop-ups um, and so it is definitely a rule behind communicating on where you are, or even if they're trying to contact them, contact you to come pop up and you're not available, that's seen as a concern. And it's not showing guilt, but I think it's a part of the world of being an elite and 
if those rules can't be followed, then of course, situations like this could happen. And it's very unfortunate because if he's going through something, I really hope that he gets the help that he needs. And I'm not saying drug wise, but if he is going through a hard time, whether that be depression, whatever, if it's a mental health disorder, physical health disorder, whatever it may be, I just hope that he gets the help that he needs. Well, one of his, it was a friend that they interviewed. Now, I don't know how close of a friend this was. They said that I guess he was, he may be depressed. He goes to drinking at that point mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, so that's what they were kind of worried about him. So I just wanted to always, you know, yes. hey, it, it's not that serious, bro. You know. Yeah, well, and it could, yes, we definitely have to stay safe. But I think mm-hmm. that a lot of times we underestimate this COVID-19 thing is, is really, has really threw a wrench in everyone's life. And it was an unexpected wrench. It was very sudden. And you never know. It could be, you know, just the lack of racing, not being able to do certain things. And I, I for myself, I realized that I observe people on my social media that are really going through depressing moments because they haven't been able to race. They haven't been able to run in groups and see friends and family that they want to see. And when I say they're literally taking it hard, Tommy, they're taking it hard into a depressive state and for some people, maybe shocked, but for me, I definitely understand it. it. I'm not sad and depressed to that level, but how people process these changes and things that's going on in the world is very different. And I mean, I'm not saying that that is what happened to him, but I think that there's so much going on right now that it could be anything. True. But yeah, I was just saying, you know, in general, I just would, I want him to be safe and not because they basically basically made it like because of what this his four-year ban is why he's mm-hmm. you know kind of going through it they didn't really mention COVID too much but gotcha just, you know hey dude you you done a lot you know stay safe it's not you know, yeah they, don't, they didn't want him to do anything stay. to it harm himself is basically what they were worried about gotcha yeah, yeah. So. well hopefully he can get himself together because he was he definitely is a good athlete <laughs> yeah definitely I mean it's not even just that I mean you've had a very successful you know successful life um, I think mm-hmm. in his in his, his real world, he's a I don't know why I say real world, but he's a police officer. So mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, he does other things besides just run. But yeah. um, so that's what's going on. Uh, I think that's it in the world of running right now. Yeah, not, I mean, there's not a just, whole yeah. lot. Mm-hmm. Just definitely, uh, you know, race acknowledgement. Some things that are a lot of people are. I think one thing that's been a big buzz right now is that Chicago people are already started training for Chicago uh, marathon and nothing has been said as of yet. Obviously New York marathon has been canceled and a couple others. Uh, obviously Boston has been canceled, but nothing has been said about Chicago. And I think I have a couple friends that are planning to do Chicago and they're up in the air in regards to training for it. Um, they've obviously started training, but it's very uncertain and they're kind of concerned about training and the race not happening, but I have a couple of friends that are also just going to run it virtually, even if they, if it doesn't happen. So. Gotcha. Yeah, that's, that's good. Let me ask you that's a question. Um, mm-hmm. Because is there anything that when you started running that you used to do, but because of your, your personal experience, not anything you've read, but because of your personal experience, you've kind of changed in your running style? or just maybe preparation, nutrition, anything at all? Uh, yeah, there's probably a lot of things. Definitely nutrition. Um, when I first started running, I was just eating whatever I wanted to. I wouldn't eat before long runs or after. Like, I wasn't big on, like, ensuring that I was eating 
the correct nutrients before and after runs or before and after long runs. Um, I definitely do more uh, dynamic stretching and uh, uh, warm ups type stuff now. Prior to when I first started running, I would just take off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I've learned that that is something that I definitely need to do uh, more of. Um, I would definitely say focusing when I first started running, I literally had the wrong gear products, everything. I was that person that literally would go to rack room or something and just pick up a pair of shoes that says running. And clearly they were not for the type of running that I was doing. <laughs> um, so definitely stepped it up on the gear and the ability Did you say to rack have. room? You went and got your running shoes from rack room? I'm just saying, that's where a lot of people <laughs> go get their, their start and they're going to rack room um to get their stuff <laughs> i want you to ask braxton next time you see him about racker okay that was- <laughs> um now and i understand what you're talking about. now i'm thinking more of so for example with me uh-huh. like of course you know and you you're an educated young lady How, when you learn to do something like if you you're getting into any kind of new project what do you do? You go read about it. You go get information. That's what I did. And I used to be a big jail person. Like I got all kinds uh, of jails and mm. did that. now I don't. Now I might like, you know, before, what, what's the thing they tell you? Like you need a jail for every 20 minutes. Is that what they used to say? Hey, something every like that. 30 30 something like, yeah. Something like that. I don't mm-hmm. even come close to that anymore. Like I might, you know, in a marathon, I might have three jails, you know, that mm-hmm. I, I take with me. Just because over time I've realized that's all I personally need. Um, right. But so that, I was thinking something more along those lines. Like, is there anything that you have just learned? Even though when you first started, this is what you read you're supposed to do. But my experience has taught me this is what I need. Well, I think in regards to that, gels, I do more of. Okay. Uh, so when I first started running, I wasn't doing any gels. I wasn't focusing on electrolytes. It was more so just water. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I definitely do more gels and more so recently over the last year or two, I've been doing more of the 30 to 40 minutes and I definitely see a difference in performance, um, in regards to having more jolts and, you know, big, good pieces of energy in my runs when, instead of depleting, um, I definitely feel like in regards to gels that I definitely do that more than what I was doing before. Mm-hmm. And what do you? What is your drink that you run? Because I know at one point you were running with the same thing that Kipchoge was using. Are you still doing that, or have you changed that? Yeah, so I do a mix of Martin. So I do the Martin uh, mix mix, um, and I then I also I've done you can before, but I switched over to Martin probably like a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do the Martin drink mix, and then I do the Martin. There's Martin. It's Martin. Martin gels. The Martin drink mix. Um, and then I stop. I know the Chicago Marathon that you saw me at, my 2017 marathon. I was always doing Blue Powerade. Yeah. Uh, but I I still do Blue Powerade. But I do the Powerade Zero currently, mm-hmm. um, just because I I've learned that my body does not react well to a lot of sugar, um, and that's what kind of holds my weight on. So I've been I've transitioned into Powerade Zero instead of um, yeah. Gatorade and Powerade, if you don't do the zero, they both have a lot of sugar, I found. So I do the the Gatorade zero um, myself Mm -hmm. now. I actually, I was thinking about buying the the starter pack for Martins um, and trying that out. I did buy um, Noon 
while I was out this weekend, and I'm gonna try mm-hmm. that. You know what? I had stopped running. <laughs> I had stopped running with water, and you mm, know what made me? It's hot outside. Yes, because you know what made me think about it. And the crazy thing is, I think when I first started, I used to see people running with water packs all the, like you know the one like the one that I guess you got for Braxton or maybe you got yeah. it for himself the little water um thing. I used yeah. to see people running with that all the time, but I don't see it as much anymore. And it kind of I kind of got away from it. But running the um, the 6.2, you know, down Peachtree, I was like, it's hot as crap. Why don't I have any water with me? I don't see so, why you did that, especially <laughs> with the, there were no water stations exactly. out there. It was just but you. I never, I had, I had completely stopped running. And it's probably because, you know, during the winter, I really don't run with water. It's when it gets, starts getting humid that I mm-hmm. actually, you know. But I and went that out, makes sense. Yeah, I, I started, I went out and bought myself another, um, another water bottle, you know, handheld, you know, water bottle. Mm-hmm. I bought two things of noon and I think I'm going to try- order that starter pack as right. well. Um, but it really surprised. I was like, why don't I have, because when I got to the fish, I was like, why don't I have any water with me? What, what's wrong right. with me? So yeah. that's why I was just kind of checking to see if there was things that, you know, had kind of changed or it kind of got lackadaisical. But it sounds like you got better over time, whereas I got more lackadaisical. Yeah, I got better over time. I also use noon. Obviously, I'm a ambassador for them, too. But mm-hmm. when I do noon, it's kind of sporadically through the week when I know that it, I use it as like a more like a daily drink versus sports During your run. If that makes you. any sense. Um, I don't really like the taste of it when it's warm and in a in a in a water bottle. Like it just it it's not the best taste for me. And then I also use their immunity and their sleep products. So instead of doing like melatonin, they have a sleep tab that's really good. Um, yeah, I did see that. Um, yeah, so. it's really really good. So I have a whole. I'm looking at it right now. Matter of fact, I have a whole stock of noon and a whole case. I went to a uh, big peach a couple weeks ago and got a big case of my martin gel so that i'm stocked up for a while yeah i gotcha all right i just you know it just can't cross my mind so i thought i would ask i think i'm just more i'm educating myself more and also learning myself i'm learning the the biggest thing about running honestly tommy is you have to figure out what's best for you because what's best for the next person is not always best for you and i think the unfortunate part about running is there's so many people that talk about what they do and then people try to mimic the exact thing but you have to figure out what works best for you that's just like shoes you can't wear the exact same shoes that the next person wears because everybody's different carnation yeah. and gait and everything is different but yeah I, I i think you have to figure out what's what's good for your stomach and what works and if you don't need it you don't need it you're not the only person that is not doesn't really run with jails i know a lot of people that don't um and then there's coaches that swear by it so exactly well uh I, I think that's all I got. Are we ready for to bring uh, Nathan on? Yes, we need to bring our guest on. So Very we got a great guest coming up. His name is Nathan Martin. Nathan Nathan Martin. Um, he's <laughs> out of the Great Lakes area, and we're going to bring him on right now. All right, and we are back, and yes. uh, we have another great guest, Nathan Martin, a two-time Olympic trial qualifier. How are you doing today, Nathan? Uh, doing pretty good. How about yourself? Good, good. As we were talking yeah. before we started recording, Nathan had a really hard workout today, so yes. uh, we, we're going to try to get some energy in him, but uh, we understand <laughs> we Understand if you're a little tired. <laughs> Just a little bit. Yeah, Nathan said he did, what'd you say, two 25, 400-meter repeats, and y'all know it's the summertime already, so I can only imagine how that was. Yeah, uh, it was uh, a little rough. I decided to do it because um, I, I do um, summer running, 
for my athletes, just give them a chance to exercise and stuff. So that's from eight to 10. Um, so afterwards, I usually get my run out the way. However, by the time that wrapped up, it was probably like 87 degrees out. Um, I just said, uh, skip it and decided to try and do the workout and uh, definitely paid for it. So yeah, in the middle of the afternoon, basically the, the high heat. <laughs> exactly. It's pretty warm, yeah. Well, now, um, with that kind of workout, it's understandable. As we get into this a little bit, y'all going to see how good this guy really is. And it's right. workout, workouts <laughs> like that that probably got you where you are as far as your, your running talents. So let's just start off with, um, tell us your running story. Like, how did you get into running? Who started you in running? And we kind of take it from there. Okay. Yeah, so I started running back in middle school. Um, in sixth grade, there was this thing called a mile and a third that we do in gym class. And I started off and I was not good at all. Like, I think I was like 20th or 30th in the gym class, which is uh, pretty rough to say the least. And so I don't know if I just got better or I wanted it more than other kids. But by seventh grade, I started doing a lot better. I was usually first or second. And then people started saying, hey, you should do cross country. You should run track. And I'm like, nah, that doesn't sound like something I want to do. And um, yeah, I guess by eighth grade, they convinced me. And um, yeah, joined the team, started doing really well at races, and I guess it was history from there. Nice. Now, yeah. Now you also you kept running, you know, and getting better. You also where did you actually run in college? Because I saw um, when I was looking at some of your race highlights um, that you run won the uh, you're a three time NAIA national champion. Um, where uh, yeah. did you actually go to school? Um, Spring Arbor University. Okay. Is that, um, is that in Michigan? Yep, in Michigan, it's like 10 minutes from uh, Jackson, Michigan. Okay. Mm. And uh, you were the 5K, indoor 10K, and marathon for the three, uh, three-time national champions. Um, and then uh, at your 21 years old, you broke the 21-year-old, I'm sorry, you broke the 21-year-old NAIA marathon record at 219.18. Wow, and a nine-time All-American. <laughs> So you know Joe. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty quick, uh, at least faster than most. So I got you. So after after college, what did you ever think about not running? I mean, what kept you going to go? I guess what we consider pro. Uh, so really, it was my coach, and I give all the thanks to him. Um, he really believed in me and saw the talent I had, and he just didn't want me to waste it. So he said, "Hey, you got you have potential in a marathon. I can help train you." And I um I think you go pretty far if you continue down with it. So I trusted him, and yeah, it's definitely been a great journey post collegiately. So I'm just continuing on as far as I can. But yeah, no, it's been been awesome. So now you, like I said, you're a two-time Olympic trials marathon qualifier. Talk to us a little bit about the first one. This was back in 2016, correct? Yep. So that first trials. Talk to us about qualifying, number one. Where did you qualify? Um, what number marathon was it that you qualified at? And, you know, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, so um, right out of college, our goal was actually we tried to attempt to qualify, I think, for the last trials, like the, or the 2012 trials. Um, but I was, I want to say, like 30 or 40 seconds off the half marathon um, mm. time. Uh, but yeah, uh, after college, we said, hey, let's, uh, let's honestly pursue this. And it was at, I want to say the 2015 Marathon Championships, maybe 2014, somewhere around there. 
uh, where I qualify, which was at that point, I think it was in Minneapolis. Um, so I hit a 2.15 mid. I can't remember the exact time. Um, but yeah, after that, we just started saying, hey, let's focus. Let's uh, get ready and see what you can do for the trial. So um, yeah, so we spent that next year, year and a half doing what we could to get my body prepped and ready. And um, yeah, went into it. It was an overall great race. It was pretty hot um, for the 2016 trials, but yeah, I could just kind of push through and get some experience and yeah, really good. Nice. Go ahead, Indy. I'm sorry. No, I was gonna. I was gonna ask. So, did you have you been working with the same coach like through that trials and the current the trials oh, yeah, that's it's, in place it's, here? Yeah. So it uh, it's been kind of up and down. So we we originally originally right out of college, I was working um, with Dante Alini, and he's my coach right now. Um, however, there's a brief period period where he kind of took a break. Um, and I was being trained by a different coach, um, but that kind of fell through. And for like a year, year and a half, I was actually training myself, which I do not recommend. Um, <laughs> not the easiest thing to do, but he kind of reconnected with me. And, and ever since then, I've been kind of destroying my PRs and running a lot faster. So, Awesome. awesome. Talk to us a little bit about getting ready for that first trial as far as what you did um, training-wise. Um, because I guess in college you were you were already running marathons in college, correct? Yeah. Um, well, in college I ran technically just one. I did a couple half marathons, um, but really the only marathon I did was at the NAIA championship. So. Okay. So talk to us about did anything change as far as training, getting ready for for the trials in your training? Um. Uh, so just the first one you're saying, right? Yeah, the first one. Uh huh. Um. Yeah. So my my coach is big into trying to figure out just how to make uh, runners faster. Um. So he was reading up on different things and um trying out newer things that he didn't necessarily do in college. Um. The big thing was is um right now or like even back then and right now my mileage is not as high as it should be. Um. For a lot of compared to a lot of other elite distance runners. Um. So we really tried to hound that in and it was working okay um but really the, i think the the fundamental thing that we really tried to um uh really focus on was just tempo running so lactic threshold or just threshold in general work um to really try and change my fitness markers um so it wasn't necessarily i guess that i made any huge jumps or did anything crazy it was just kind of continuing that on um, from college and then taking that into the first trials just to see what my body could do because it was it was a little bit more about trying to handle um, handle the marathon and like uh, versus I guess what my fitness was at than trying to change anything or do anything crazy so okay so well, I'm sorry go ahead India it sounds like you really did well with that. You, it says that you finished the 2016 trials in um, number 23 out of the entire trial squad. Like that is amazing. Number 23 at your first trial. So it sounds like all the temper work and speed work and everything definitely worked for you. Yeah, no, it was really good. Um, I had the advantage of, uh, you know, I just, I, I hate to give up. I hate to quit. And it definitely was a really hot day, like I was saying before, with the first trials. I think it was mid-80s or something like that. Um, trying to run a marathon is just brutal. So I'm pretty sure out of the people who started, there are only about half of them 
who actually ended up finishing during race. So it was, it was more just about an endurance test and well more than uh, skill at that point. But regardless, mm -hmm. uh, finished 23rd. So definitely was a good day. Yeah, for sure. Definitely sounds like it. Now, l let's compare that trials and the one that you just ran. Well, not just, but ran here in Atlanta. Um, what were your takeaways as far as maybe the differences, even the differences in, in leading up to it, like your training? Were there any differences between 2016 and in 2020? Yeah, uh, so, yeah, so my, my training took a big shift after the first trials. Um, uh, we were still focusing on tempo, but um, because my body was getting stronger, I was able to bulk out um, a lot of those workouts and just um, put a lot, of, a lot more volume into what I was doing. I'm still overall behind what some of those elite guys were doing, and it's just stuff that you can't short circuit. Um, so even getting into the second trials, um, I felt way more in shape. I felt ready, and I felt like I had a chance to do something. Um, but definitely some of those guys who've been putting in a crazy amount of work that definitely shined uh, for some of them. Because the, the big difference between the first trial and the second just overall, just for everybody, was it went from the heat being the issue to the hills being the issue. Um, yeah. yeah, so once the um, – and once you transition to something like that, you have to be a strong runner. Um, you have to be putting in the work. And, again, not to say I wasn't, but definitely um, – definitely felt it for the second trial so gotcha um now here in atlanta of course like you said the hills it was a loop course was it a loop course in los angeles or was it a point to point or how was it set i mean up it there? was it was loop so it was a three loop course um in los angeles um and then it was two and was it two was it three two i i know we added in an extra loop at then but it, it was three loops and then a third loop we added in an extra section um for atlanta so yeah right. so um as far as the courses i know you said it was heat in los angeles more heels here which would you say course wise was the harder of the two um well hands down atlanta's course was harder. Like, there's, there's no comparison like, those were absolutely ridiculous Tommy, you baited him into that question no, you the answer to no, that yeah Look, yeah, we in Atlanta already know. We just always like to hear, mm -hmm. yeah, it's rough in it. Yeah, it's rough in Atlanta. Um, yeah. Now, we've talked to three different um, elite athletes that ran in the trials here, and all of them talk about the crowd. How did you feel about the crowd uh, here in Atlanta? It, it was absolutely insane. I was so shocked at how many people lined the course. Um, you know, not saying that, you know, people, that many people shouldn't align the course, but for the fact that we didn't have like thousands and thousands of people running, it was just amazing that almost every spot had a huge amount of people just cheering and trying to get people yeah. through the race. So, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you felt that because I, I felt right. the same. I mean, we were just there cheering people on. Of course, we, we saw you um, running as well. Um, but we just felt like the energy in Atlanta was so great. I, I still say I've never seen a race with that much energy in Atlanta. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm glad you actually felt it while you were running. Yeah. So definitely tell me a little bit. So, of course, being that you ran here um, for the 2020 trials, talk, us, talk to us a little bit about that race, kind of how your mindset prior to the race as well as during the race. Was there a particular time that, you the hills really started getting to you was there a particular lap that you can really recollect that was a little bit your legs start to feel tired 
Um, so it, it was it was a little bit tricky um, because the we had a game plan going in. Um, we said, hey, you know, if we have a shot to get top three, then that's what we're going to shoot for. Um, however, on the day, my body was a little bit tired, and I ignored that a little bit. Um, but we the race went out extremely fast. It was the, actually the first mile wasn't crazy fast, but then the next three or four is like, oh my goodness, what the heck is going on? Um, so I could tell my body was getting tired just straight from the first three or four. But it's one of those things where you're in such good fitness um, that you just hope that you can hold on. But by I want to say eight or nine, I knew that um, I had pushed a little bit too hard. So. Um, probably somewhere around there, um, I started to feel it. Um, I did try and reel myself back in, but by 13, 14, I definitely was uh, done dealing. So, Gotcha. Was that the first time you had run in Atlanta? Um, so uh, as far as an official race, yeah. Um, me and my coach uh, went down a couple weeks earlier, and we did a workout on the course, which uh, is a lot more tricky when there's traffic. But yeah. Um, yeah, we were able to get onto the course and get a feel for it and kind of understand what to expect as far as when those sales came. Um, right. But definitely was a whole different beast actually racing it. So, Right. Do you think that that, that uh, course and workout benefited you on race day? Um, men Mentality-wise, it definitely did. I knew, I knew exactly what to expect when we were – once I got into the race um, – like, did it, did it, like, give me an extra boost as far as fitness? I don't know about that, but mentality-wise, it definitely helped uh, get me more prepped and ready. Mm -hmm. Sounds, sounds good. Now, besides the race itself, uh, like, when did you actually get to Atlanta? Did you, did you enjoy yourself just being in Atlanta itself, or were you so focused that you really didn't get a chance to, to enjoy um, yourself? Overall, I'm a pretty laid-back guy, so I was just enjoying the fact that I was down there and the opportunity that I was given um, to even race at the trials. Um, but, yeah, I definitely – I was also pretty wound up just because it was a lot more pressure, um, had a much better chance to do well. There are a lot more great runners this time around, a lot more faster times. Um, so it was kind of a mix of both. Um, but overall, it was a great experience and got a lot of different opportunities to do a few different things. Um, there was even a, uh, uh, like, we could connect with some of the local high schools. So we, we went down, like, a week early, mm -hmm. and um, we were able to connect with, man, I forgot the high school's name now. That's kind of bad. But um, just connect with some of the youth there and some of the uh, track athletes, and that was definitely good to do and um, just made it a great experience. So. Yeah, I think it was good. Um, Tommy and I met you at, you came to the race panel. The, it was two days before the trials. And it yeah. was very good to meet you and be able to talk to you then. And I think you mentioned being a little bit tired. <laughs> you were going to go and get some rest. Um, but it was very good to be able to meet you. And I think your ability to give back to the community and show children as well as us local runners that are not at the elite level, but, but we, you know, we strive to continue to push forward. It's good to be able to communicate and have that personable interactions with you all. And I think mm -hmm. that that was really yep. good and really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. And, and that's a big thing too. It's like, I, you know, I, I am faster than, than a lot of people, but I don't want that to, to make it so I can, can't connect with others and um, being able to just find ways to give that back and, 
and still be able to impact either the future generation or just people around me um, is really honestly what I strive to do. And, you know, sometimes I do a great job. Sometimes I don't, but that's, that's always my goal. So. Right. Now, do you think that um, you like to do that because there's a lack of representative representation within running or just distance running? Like what's your thoughts between, because I think that for me, I separate those two. Like I think just, Casual running, track running, and distance running, I think, are two diff- three different areas. Um, mm-hmm. What do you feel like is kind of, is there a gap that you see within that representation? Um, so you, you just kind of say, is there, is like there a big difference between track people and kind of distance guys or what? Yeah, and how much? Because like, for instance, for me, I know that distance running is not something that is heavily talked about like in high school and in high school or middle school um there's there's a certain level of people that go into cross country more people go into track than cross country and so i think that there's a lot of children that are not introduced to distant run distance running um and i think it's very valuable that individuals like yourself go to high schools and go to middle schools to talk to children about distance running in general because for Mm -hmm. me i feel like distance running is not talked about a lot um, yeah. And there's a whole sport out there that I think people miss. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there definitely is a big gap. Um, I mean, the biggest thing, um, again, I try and do is just kind of impact others. Um, obviously, I'm a distance runner, so it holds a special place in my heart to to reach out to people that way. Um, but even within um, the high school that I coach at, I try and provide as many opportunities as I can. And even when the when the kids are there, I just try and explain, you know, what their potential is, what they can do with distance running. And, um, you know, if there's people on there on the team who are like, hey, I'm just doing this to stay in shape or people who don't know about it. And I'm always going to talk to them and say, hey, you know, if you did this, this is what you could do. Um, you know, not necessarily to try and like, you know, force distance running down um, people's throats or anything like that, but just to okay. to spread awareness and say, hey, you know, these are these are your opportunities. So, right. Because I mean, I think the thing, thing about it is it's all about exposure, right? Like if you're not yeah. exposed to a particular sport and you're not exposed to the opportunity, then you, you usually won't gravitate towards it if you don't know about it. So I think that that's key. Yeah. Mm hmm. Now, um, you were talking about, you know, you, you teach at the high school and, and actually your bio um, says that you'd rather talk about that than actually talk about your own <laughs> running. So talk a little bit about about your, your role as the uh, as the high school. Uh, I guess you're the you're are you just a, are you the track and field coach? Are you just the, um, so uh, like, I'm the, I'm, coach? the I'm the head cross country coach and. Um, I just became the head cross country coach. Um, the track I coach track at the middle school for a um, different school. I coach at two different schools right now. I'm hoping to get down to one because the the former coach who was the head coach for cross country just um, retired. So hopefully I can get the track position as well. But um, yeah, I think I forgot the question though. Okay. Well, I mean, I was just, you know, asking what you actually, but just kind of go over with how you got into that, um, you know, coaching. Was it just because, hey, I'm a runner, let me coach? Or is, like you said, is that just something that you feel like is, is the thing um, you need to do? Yeah, so originally, um, after deciding to, hey, let's try and pursue running and figure out how to do that, 
Um, I got into substitute teaching and then I was able to get connected with the high schools. And then through that, I met some people who said, hey, you know, you should try and do um, a little bit of coaching, uh, which I was thinking about doing that anyways. But then the opportunity presented itself, like, I want to say a couple years after I started subbing. And um, yeah, just kind of fell in love with it and definitely enjoy it and definitely the pretty much the highlight of my days. So. Well, let me ask you this. So as far as, as a as a coach, um, and I know you said you do track and field one place and then you do cross country in another. Because, like, just for example, I ran track in, in high school, you know, not thinking anything of it. And my coach pretty much just let me do whatever I wanted to do. But, yeah. I mean, I think if he would have really paid attention, you know, maybe I would have been better. I mean, is that what you kind of look at? Do you look at a kid and go, okay, I know you want to run the 100 just because everybody else does, but that's not your race. You try to find their race. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I it, it's pretty bad sometimes. Like, I'll, I'll invest so much time into trying to make a kid better at whatever event they want to do. Like, I'm not going to twist their arm and say, uh-huh. you're, you're being ridiculous. You definitely should be doing this. <laughs> um, but I am going to let them know what their potential is. And I'm, you know, to the point where I'm not going to have them, like, you know, have any delusions of, you know, what this is going to particularly do for them versus something else. But if they, if they're a, you know, 800 meter guy, mile guy, and they want to do the hundred and that's what they're set on, then I'm going to make them the best hundred meter person I can within the limits of their ability. So. I gotcha. I gotcha. Another question I have, since you're at that level, I mean, do you deal with the colleges? Like, I mean, have you had any colleges come like, look at your kids and talk to you about them, anything like that? Um, nah, our, <laughs> our kids have been a little bit slower in the past. So, um, I'm definitely, hopefully I'm changing that. We have a couple kids who definitely have college potential. Um, but you know, I haven't had to, uh, worry about that too much. So <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. Now, um, also I want to ask you about Great Lakes Running Club. Now, how did you get involved with them? Um, so, uh, that was a, or um, it's a running group that my coach kind of found it. Um, the biggest thing was I wanted to kind of stay in the area. I wanted to do coaching. So he's like, well, if you're going to stay in the area, how would we, how would we pull that off? And he came up with the idea of creating the club. Um, and then since then we've been able to get a lot of fast guys, um, kind of come and go. Um, but yeah, we're still looking to grow it and I'm definitely a big part of that. And yeah, we'll definitely see where it goes. But for right now, we're, at the very base level. So we're just kind of recruiting and um, going to different races and representing the name we created. So, Okay. Nice. So this is a serious club. This is for, so I can't just join. You need, you guys, oh. you want speedsters. <laughs> um, well, in this section, you might have a little bit of trouble, but the, uh, <laughs> um, before uh, kind of things happened with um, COVID and everything, we were looking to open up to the public and provide more of a community level to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, kind of with things happening, we, we just kind of stayed at the more elite side of things for now. Nice. Understandable. But kind of like a tracksmith type club. Um, yeah, a little bit. Like we don't have the merchandise, which would be nice because we'd be <laughs> right. <but> they- <laughs> Y'all can get there. You can get there, Nathan. You can get there. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I mean, that uh, that's the hope. So, yeah. 
Now, with and, and India kind of talked about this a little bit before uh, with diversity and distance running, but it just in general with you know with everything going on with the um, protests and you know the social justice kind of thing. Um, where do you and I, I'm not trying to get you to you know put you in the spot or anything like that, but as far as as far as <laughs> all that is going on in the world right now, I mean, how do you see it? You know, as being you know one of the few elite you know African American runners. Yeah, so there there's a lot going on right now. Um, you know, I've been talking to a few different people about it, and the biggest thing is I I invest in people and I invest in the people who are around me. Um, not to say that I'm like, well, that's a big big idea over there, or those are issues that I don't worry about or don't think about. Um, but I worry about what's directly affecting the people that are within my range. And if, it, if it's affecting them, then I try and figure out, well, how do we deal with this? Um, because, you know, if you, it's not that, to me, it's not that focusing on a bigger idea or a bigger issue is a problem. But I think like so many people get caught up in that, that they lose sight of why they're fighting. They're just trying to fight to fight almost. And they, they kind of lose sight that it's a, about caring for people and it's about making change. So uh, in my opinion, the biggest way to do that is to do it with the people you're d directly connected with. So the people you actually have influence on. Yeah. Right. Understandable. So how do you see yourself? Cause I know, and, and Tommy kind of alluded to this, you know, it, the field, even at the trials, there was very few uh, African-American male and especially yeah. American-born men. And it's one of those things where how do you see yourself as you represent within that community? I know you just mentioned that you reach the people that you're around. And obviously, to what from what I'm hearing, you want to coach whoever that wants to be coached. You want to be a good runner. I'm here for it. Um, but yeah. do you kind of think about the you being kind of not kind of but being the minority within the sport when you are out doing races or runs in general, or is that something that is not at the forefront of your mind? Um, yeah, I don't I don't necessarily think about it too much. Um, definitely, there's there's different situations that'll pop up. Usually, I just get lumped in with am I a Kenyan or not? But um, <laughs> yeah, for the most part, it's not it's not something I. I directly focus on because I'm really honestly focused on doing my best and again, impacting the people that I can impact. Um, but definitely when there's, you know, issues that pop up and, and force me to think about it a little bit more, I do. But in general, I'm focused on, Hey, how can I, you know, beat out whoever this is I'm racing against and how can I make myself better? So. Definitely. Gotcha. All right, so I'm about to, uh, we're going to get off track on some other stuff because I'm looking at your bio here. So, number one, how did you get the nickname Bubbles? Oh, what? <laughs> it says Nathan Martin, no. and in parentheses, it says Bubbles. No. <laughs> how? In no. The, what, what is that? Is that the wrong bio? We should be looking at that. No. <laughs> no. Oh, my goodness. Wow. That's going to make it into this podcast. That's going to <laughs> um, so no, what happened was we were creating the profiles and they were saying like, if you guys have any nicknames. So I was joking. I said, my nickname is Bubbles. So then that's what they put on there. And I'm like, no. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> that's funny. Cause I was like, It is published, Nathan. Your yes. nickname is Bubbles. <laughs> yes. oh, so man. you are going to be, 
<laughs> Nathan Bubbles Martin from oh from, from here so to eternity. I did not expect that to come up. Wow. So oh my god. So okay, let's get into your fun facts. So you have six sisters. I do. I have a lot of sisters. Yeah. Where Where are you located? Are you a middle child, baby, um, oldest, second to youngest? Mm. So yep, yeah. Yeah. So did you take any um some sister beatdowns? I I have an older um, sister. I took oh some sister beatdowns. My, <laughs> my my sisters are pretty wild. So definitely <laughs> was interesting growing up with them, but. You know, I tried to hold my own, but usually didn't work out. So <laughs> I gotcha. And then lastly, I got you are a big anime fan. So is there anime. in particular um, uh, car anime cartoons that you, you like? Oh, wow. So, yeah, I mean, I could name the cliche stuff like Dragon Ball Z. Um, yeah, that's um, all I know. That's the only one I know. So that's why I was going to be like, yeah, that's so the only one the I know. Ruins? What's the other ones you like? It's <laughs> wow. not the cliche stuff. <laughs> Nerd out, that's so bad. Gosh, first call me Bubbles. Um, <laughs> it's so bad. Um, we yeah, just no. trying to see the uh, the other parts of you. That's, probably this, is what our, this is what our <laughs> listeners listen for. They can wow. read all the other stuff. This is what wow. they listen for. Wow. Go yeah. ahead and nerd out. What's the what's the animated uh, so, like? So I watch uh, stuff like, you ever heard of Naruto? I think I have heard of that one. What is that one about? So basically, it's a ninja show where they they kind of do all these different. How do I explain it? Like trying to explain it without it sound like super nerdy, but uh, they oh man, I can't even. They just they basically do ninja moves that are kind of magical, I guess. Like they can clone themselves and they can, gosh. I don't even know. Okay, you know what? We, they can clone themselves, do kind of magical stuff. We'll go with that one. Okay. So that's that's your favorite? Um, it's up there. Um, there's another one called My Hero Academia. I'm not sure if you guys heard of that either. Mm -mm, that one I haven't. The other one I think I might have. This one I have not. What's that one about? So it's a uh, basically a high school where it's devoted to turning uh, kids into heroes. So the whole society, um, basically everybody in society has a superpower. And um, so you, you basically, there's, there's the cops at one level and then above that are the superheroes who kind of protect whole cities and whole nations and stuff like that. So they go against the bad guys and different things like that. But, yeah. Hey, nice. hey, everybody. And, and I want to, this is the kind of stuff I love to hear. Because you say you're nerdy, but that's not nerdy. That's who you are. I mean, right. you know, if that's what you enjoy, we want our listeners to know that, Bubbles. And I think so, that a lot of people think that, that elite runners and people that are at the trials, like y'all eat, sleep, and breathe running. And of course, you probably, you do a lot of it. But there's other parts of your life that are still very exciting. And you do enjoy other hobbies <laughs> so yeah. anime is your thing <laughs> perfect enjoyable it's pretty good though <laughs> perfect now let, let's get it back into running a little bit so what kind of i mean now of course i mean now some of my listeners may be in their minds eventually want to get to where you are and you know go to an olympic trials or that kind of thing what kind of advice would you give someone who is um training for not you know maybe not to run as fast as you do but just training for a goal race or something like that is there any advice as a coach that you would give them um so the biggest thing is just to know what their goal is 
Um, you know, like you can be lackadaisical and kind of have a goal, but if there's something you really want to achieve, you just need to understand what that is. And then from there, you can figure out the steps that you need to take. Cause if you're really passionate about something, then you say, I'm going to put this at the forefront. So when things like, Hey, um, just random stuff comes up, you say, Hey, well, this is ranked really high on what, what my goal is and what I want to achieve. So then you, you find a way to do it. So. Um, I guess the biggest thing is knowing what your goal is, because if you're if you're positive about it, you're going to push for it and not be hesitant about it. So. Definitely. And I know at one time when I had a coach, a lot of the conversations in regards to coaching was there needs to be a good coach to athlete relationship and not every yeah. athlete is a good athlete for a coach. How do you feel about that? Like, do you feel like everyone is coachable yeah. and you can kind of work with everyone or what's your thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, you have some people who are, are um, who are more like, this is what I want to do. And I'm going to basically tailor your workout to how I want it to go. And you just have to figure those kind of people out. Like, I think everybody's coachable. It's just that if you're a really good coach, you know how to coach everyone. It's not that everybody is easy to coach that that's not necessary. Or, right. um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's more figuring out who they are and figuring out how to how to best bring out their talent so nice well what type and i think i already know the answer to this question but just would love to hear you talk about it so just for an example when i was in high school i was i ran track but my main sport was wrestling and i had two coaches on my team i had one who had run he won a state championship in high school and all that but that's pretty much as far as it went but he was our science teacher and he was very laid back he pretty much Mm kind of understood these are high school kids i'm not going to coach them like i would coach a college team whereas i had another coach who actually wrestled in college and he tried to coach us like <laughs> like we were college students oh wow, yeah. i mean knowing that you you know you ran in, in college you you know you're a pro runner how do you fall in that line are you kind of in between or are you kind of more of hey i understand these kids are young or do you coach them hard to try to get them to a certain level so I, I try and take the standpoint that, hey, these, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how much they, they want to achieve their goals, they're still kids, right? And so I take all the knowledge I have and try and create programs that not only understand that, um, but still trying to make them as fast as I can make them. Like I implement a lot of things that even I'm doing currently, um, but it's more at the level that they can handle it and making sure that they're enjoying what they're doing too. Um, because at the end of the day, like if, if they make it, like they, you know, become a state champion, great. I want to make sure it, it matters to them. And I didn't send them through like some ridiculous training just because I could and, you know, they, they fall off the bandwagon or they didn't really care, like, at the end of the day type thing. So. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I mean, Mar- uh, Nathan, I have really enjoyed speaking with you, and I won't call you Bubbles anymore. I'll, I'll, I'll let that one go. But before you go, um, <laughs> before you go, um, can you let our listeners know how um, they can follow you on, you know, on your social media as well as oh, if yeah, you, no you don't mind getting questions, if you can tell them how they can get in touch with you. Yeah, so um, you can follow me on Instagram at nimim. So that's nim, um, it's an underscore, yeah, underscore I, underscore am, or am um, for my Instagram. And then also 
uh, on Facebook, we have a Facebook group called Nathan Martin's Olympic Trials Countdown. And we just try and post as much as we can about my running journey, different races that are come on, coming up, and just kind of how the workouts that I'm doing are going. So if you guys are looking to stay connected, those are two biggest ways. I'm always up for questions. Um, you know, we'll see how if I answer them, great. But always <laughs> up for uh, getting them. So that's that's awesome. great. Before you go, one more thing. What's the future hold for you as far as your running? Are you looking to try uh, to hit the trials? in four years or what, what, what's your plan? Um, yeah. So we're going to give it at least one more shot. My, my coach is about as meticulous as I am as far as like trying to figure out ways to, um, make people faster, which is awesome. Um, so he's even through COVID and everything like that, figuring out what races are most likely to go off. What's the next step of training. And, um, I'm definitely excited. Workouts are going good. So, um, hopefully the future is looking bright. Good. I look Great. forward to seeing your journey. That's awesome. Definitely. And I know I keep saying I'm going to let you go, but I, I got another question. Just after after talk after saying that, you know, that you're going to go for another four years, how do you keep yourself motivated? Because like you said, this is your second trial. That was a four-year journey. Here's And then you're looking at another one. How do you keep yourself motivated to, um, to be reaching for those goals that are so far out? So it's, it's, um, again, I'm, I'm kind of a laid back guy. So I take things usually one step at a time and I'm always, if I can push for something, I'm always going to push for it. Um, I don't try and like, uh, well, it, it depends. Sometimes I overthink stuff, but, um, for the most part I say, well, this is what I'm doing. Well, I'm going to give the, give all I have to it. And, um, yeah, so kind of just break it up and then go in chunks and then, you know, before you know it, I guess it's Charles time. So, Sounds good. Sounds good. Do you have anything else for him, India? Nope. I think that's it. We, I look forward to. Uh -oh. I'm talking and y'all can't hear me. I said, I, I think that's it. I look forward to seeing your journey and hearing more about your journey and hopefully see you for 2021. If not sooner than that, not 2021, 2024. Yes, if not 2024. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Yep, well, yeah. thank you. Thank you again, um, Nathan, for taking time out of your day to speak with us uh, after such a hard workout. And yes. like India said, I really look forward to, to watching um, your journey to the next Olympic trials. And, yeah. the next, uh, and the next Olympics. Let's just put it out there. To the next right. Olympics. <laughs> next Olympics, that would be amazing. That'd be awesome. So we'll see. That's what I'm trading for, but... Definitely a lot of people are training for it, too. So we'll see who gets in. Yes, sir. Thanks again. Yeah, no problem. See you guys around. What a great interview, Nathan. Yes. Uh, thanks, Bubbles, thanks again. Bubbles. <laughs> thanks again uh, for taking time out of your day. Yeah, I'm just playing, Nathan. Don't, don't kill me. Um, You're right. Thanks again for taking time out of your day to, uh, re to record with us. That was a great interview. I mean, it was. He is probably, I mean, with all his accolades, he's just so mm -hmm. like laid back down to earth. You know, he talked about his nerdy side. Um, I really enjoyed speaking with him. Yeah. And I think it's just great how he's giving back to the community, not only as a teacher and as a coach, but just, you know, being able to go to different high schools and talk to these, these kids and students. I think it is amazing. And it, that's what we need more of. Exactly, exactly. I loved how he talked about, you know, influence people in, in influencing people that he had influence with, I guess, basically, people inside mm -hmm. of his circle. So I really liked how he talked about that as well. All right, India. So yes. if they want to get in touch with you, how would they do that? 
All right. So you can find me on Instagram at I underscore of underscore Indigo, E-N-D-I-G-O runs. Or you can find me on Instagram at Miles from India. That's where you will find my YouTube link. And I have a YouTube page called Miles from India. Um, You can also find me on Facebook at India Cook. And if you would like to email me, you can email me at milesfromindia at gmail.com. And you can reach me at Thomas W. Mitchell, the number two at gmail.com, on Instagram at tmitch68, as well as the run duo. Is it? Yeah, the run duo um, on Instagram as well. You can hit us up there. So we got another two weeks, uh, and we will be seeing y'all again. Yes, peace. Y'all stay safe. All right, later.